You're listening to Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. Inspirational Perspective is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. Are you living the best life possible? You can subscribe to the Inspirational Perspective blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. Follow Linnell on social media. Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. In this recording, Linnell transitions from his Inputs Output series to a new series on self-discovery. In this first part, Linnell asks his radio audience, who are you? What does self-discovery look and feel like? What are the benefits of self-actualization? Let's join the conversation. This evening, I'm going to be asking you to take a look at your brand. I also want you to begin making some personal assessments and asking yourself the question, you know, is your life on autopilot? You know, have you have you really been living life on purpose or are you living by default? Another way to think about it is, are you letting the to do's and the responsibilities of life completely dictate who you are, what you do, how you spend your time, and you get where I'm going, right, etc. It's basically kind of spring, I guess, <laughs> on the calendar it is, right? And so while you're doing all that spring cleaning around the house, what kind of cleaning do you need to do within your life? You know, getting the cobwebs out of the corners, you know, getting the dust from around the floorboards, I would say packing up the winter clothes, but that doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, make sense to do right now. But you get where I'm going. But if we were to think about that for life, how would that look? How would that look in your life if you were doing a spring cleaning? So that's what we'll be discussing this evening. And this is part four, the transition part four of inputs, outputs and transitioning into self-discovery. Who are you? That's the question. Now, the original question, and I've shared this, and this is the last time I'm, I'm sharing it, but the original question in regards to inputs, outputs, was do your inputs predict your outputs, thus predicting the probability of your success? And, you know, 60-second review, basically, uh, what I discussed over the last few weeks is that if you want to be successful, if you begin to tune your channel, and what I mean by tune your channel, put in front of your eyes only the things that are getting you closer to your goal, closer to your dreams. If you listen to only the things that you need to hear that will allow you to think on your dreams, think on your goals, then by doing that, the output can only be success and reaching those goals. And again, remember, the input has to you know, be mixed with different ingredients, right? So not just the education you need for the aspiration that you have, but also the inspiration and motivation that you need to continue moving towards that, as well as all the other rigor in between, the writing it down, the reviewing your goals, the using notes and print and post to uh, constantly affirm what it is that you want to do, okay? So those are the inputs and those inputs create an output. And, you know, if you disagree, then just look at what's happening around us. And what I'll tell you is, you know, mostly what we see today in regards to inputs 
is violent sex and food and drugs. And so there's no question as to why, you know, things around us are the way they are. Because if we don't know how to adjust our inputs and we're just taking everything our environment gives us, that this culture gives us, then ultimately what ends up, ends up happening is my output is just more of the same. And so there's a little more than 60 seconds, but that's a lot of what we talked about. So the questions that I'll be asking this evening and addressing this evening is, what does self-discovery look and feel like? And the second question that goes with that is, what are the benefits of self-actualization? For those of you who follow the blog, which is www.inspirationalperspective.com, if you want to get an overview of what I'll be chatting about tonight, it'll be based loosely on a couple of blogs I've written in the past. One of them is, Does Your Life Need a New CEO? All right, we're talking about self-discovery. And uh, no better way than to look at it like that. Who are you? What's your brand? <laughs> That's another one. And then I'll hit a little bit on, you know, five ways to discover yourself and separate from the pack. And if we have time, I have a piece I wrote some time back called Turbulence. And I, I can't help but think that it's appropriate given the situation with the Malaysian airplane. And just another way of looking at the things that we take for granted. And so I think that piece is a great way to end the show. All right. What does self-discovery look and feel like what does it take to discover yourself and what are the benefits of self-actualization now i've shared this perspective once before but i thought given the topic of self-discovery it would be uh, appropriate to reintroduce to some and remind others about and, uh, you know, it's this whole thought of how we run our lives, you know, the care with which we give running our lives. And no matter where you are in the world, no matter where you reside, where you live, for most of us, going to work is an everyday consistent cultural reality. And whether we work banker's hours, you got that nine to five gig, which is sweet. I don't have one of those. I'm in when I have to start and I'm, I'm there till I finish. <laughs> Sometimes uh, that could be a long time. But, you know, whoever we are, you know, you have that nine to five gig or whatever it is that you do. That typically puts us in rush hour traffic both ways of our commute. If you work with something a little less conventional, then, you know, maybe you can, you know, you can get in and out of work fairly easy. If you're, a, you know, you worked a night shift at a hospital, et cetera. But for the most part, we all spend quite a bit of time working throughout the week. And whenever we go to work, the majority of us, I would say, care. So what do I mean by care? Well, we care about how we look when we show up, right? We care about how we smell. We care about being on time. We care about what our coworkers think of our work product. Sometimes we care about what they think about us, even if we say we don't care. We care about what our boss thinks, right? We want our boss to like us. Uh, and, then, you know, we might say we don't care about that, but typically that's just a survival thing because bosses can literally kill people. That's a whole nother topic. But, you know, there's just a stress involved with leadership and how they impose that on others. And so, you know, we care about how our boss feels about us, right? The data proves it. 
Overall, we care. And because we care, we want to do good work. You know, we want to show up prepared. We want to show up looking our best. We want to produce an accurate report. We want to deliver a great presentation. You know, in a meeting, we want to be heard. We want to do good work. And so we work diligently to create this reputation, right? This good reputation and better understand the companies that we work for. Because with that comes this idea of job security, right? And I said idea because it's not always necessarily true. It's just more of the story that we tell ourselves. And so, you know, to inform that story, though, these are all the things that we do. And we typically, to make sure that we feel safe or we feel secure, we make sure that we know our company's strategic priorities. You know, we make sure that we know our department's goals, right? What's important to the department. We typically know the stock price of the company. Typically, we sometimes we know the stock price of our competitors if you work for a public organization, right? I mean, if you work for a public organization and you don't, I would say go check it out. <laughs> uh, some things you should just know. It could be an indication of that story you tell yourself about security. Okay. Anyway, we typically know if sales are up, we know if sales are down, and we know if the company is healthy. And stick with me because I'm getting to a point. All right. We typically know our department budget. And if we don't, we know somebody that does. So why is all this important? Well, because we care, right? And we care about it because it has a reciprocal effect on our well-being to a certain extent, right? Our financial well-being. Now, I also happen to know about something else for which you care very deeply. And that something is you. That something is you. And so I want to begin to make a contrast because I believe that all of you all would unanimously agree that, you know, you care for yourself and that you also probably care for your job. Whether you like it or not, you know, you're like, okay, I need to get a new job, but you're looking for something that you can care about. Okay. And so there's this duality here. You care about yourself. You care about your job. But typically, I will assert that you know more about your job and what's happening there than you do yourself. All right, so you might say, really, Linnell? I don't necessarily agree. Okay, well, let's run through it, right? Can you answer all the same questions that you typically can answer for the organization you work for, for yourself with the same level of detail and accuracy? Because what I would say is, you know, often we don't put as much care and energy into the me corporation as you do the company that calls you an employee. And to be clear, when I say the me corporation, I mean you. You do not put as much care and energy into yourself as you do for the work that you produce for your employer. Now, some of you might be on the other side of that. And if that's the case for you, I say, hey, that's wonderful. But there's a lot of us who aren't. And so it becomes a very legitimate question. I mean, think about it. Most of us have assets and liabilities in regards to our work or in regards to our homes, assets, liabilities, just like the organizations for which we work for. Right. They have assets and liabilities. And so do we. But typically we understand more about how those assets and liabilities work 
at work than we do within our homes. So let's go a little deeper. Can you answer these questions? All right, because these are the same questions I just talked about for the employer. So we talked about, you know, you know, the strategic priorities at work. Do you know your strategic priorities? What are the things that you know you want to get done in 2014? Are they clear? Are they written down? Are they on a PowerPoint the same way you have them on a PowerPoint at work? You might say, well, somebody sent them to me. Okay, cool. But you have direction. So what are you doing to provide yourself the same direction? All right, so then what are your goals? What are your 2014 goals? Because I'm sure that right about now, most of you at work are creating these or working with your boss on these. And so are you working on those 2014 goals with, you know, someone in your life? Maybe a best friend. Hey, these are the things I want you to I want to do. And I need you to hold me accountable. Or your spouse, you know, but either way, do you have clear cut 2014 goals? What's your net worth? I asked this question, I think, about a year ago. And I think it's appropriate to ask again. But as an individual, what is your net worth? Like, can you articulate it? Because you're running a business. You have assets and liabilities. One of the reasons why some of us wake up and realize we're in worse financial shape than what we were in a year ago is because we don't keep track. And so what is your net worth? I can tell you the net worth of the organization I work for. Um, And so it, it behooves me to know my own. Right. What my overall worth is from a monetary perspective. Okay, financially. Are sales up or down? You know, so what direction are you going in right now? Because typically for companies, we get reports and we know. Right. Sales are up. Sales are down. When sales are down, then there's a lot of urgency in the workplace. Right. Sometimes it's a bit more stressful. But either way, all of that is created to preserve the organization. And so when things are down for you, right, financially or your goal, you're not necessarily meeting your goals the way you want to meet your goals. Is there a sense of urgency? Is there? Is your balance sheet red, black or green? You know, do you know? Like at the end of the month, are you spending more money than you make? Because the fact of the matter is this. If the me corporation and when I say me again, it's you, right? or in this case, Linnell Harris Incorporated, if that organization is not running well, the company funding the me corporation, right? So in this case, you know, if I'm talking about Linnell, the Linnell Harris Corporation is funded by my personal businesses as well as U.S. Cellular, right? And if the me corporation, Linnell Corporation is not running well, then I cannot give to my personal business, to the organization I work for, In the way that I want to just can't. And often that's what's missing. Right. And again, remember, the topic is self-discovery. And I'm just peeling back the onion. You know, what is your potential if you started running the me corporation more effectively? Just something to think about. And I would say, you know, if you're at home sitting and you're listening, write that down. That's something to post on your mirror. But what is it is the potential If you started running the me corporation more effectively, could you be living the life of your dreams, taking the vacations of your dreams, doing the things that you want to do, maybe driving the car of your dreams? If you just ran it a little better than you do today, would your balance sheet be green? Could you look and feel healthier? You know, uh, if you were running the me corporation much better, 
you know, would you be taking the time that you need to work out, et cetera? Thus, if all of that is in place, when you go to the job, everything becomes a breeze, right? Because you're on top of it. You're already running your organization. Of course, you can help run someone else's. Does your life need a new CEO? And that's the question. Are you the best version of yourself? Because if not, then, you know, this week and for the rest of the month, we're going to really be taking a look at how do we, again, like I ask at the beginning of every show, live the best life possible. Because for most of us, it may be about time for the CEO of me corporation to make some serious organizational changes. All right. You know, I talk every weekend and, you know, there's a lot of ingredients for change. I'm always sharing, you know, something around, hey, you know, how do we shift this? How do we change that? And I think I've shared with you guys that often, you know, these topics, uh, the things that I share on the blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com, all of these things, they come from one, you know, the experiences I have with clients as a certified life coach and also my own life, right? My own personal challenges, Because I'll stick with you guys. Hey, change is hard. Change is very hard. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to live the best life possible, then there's a certain amount of discipline and pain that we must go through in order to achieve that change. And that's just the long and short of it, right? One of the things we talk about in ontology is that you cannot really, really understand and enjoy the depths of love until you make yourself completely vulnerable and open to pain. It's just you can't have one or the other, right? You can't run around protected and enjoy, you know, the depth and pleasure of love. Um, There is a certain amount of vulnerability and exposure to pain one must have. Same thing with joy and sadness, right? But, you know, they're they're basically like a yo-yo. You cannot extend to the level of joy, to the depth of joy, unless you have the same range for sadness. That's just the human experience. Pleasure, pain, right? And so it's the, it's the same way. If you want to, you know, get in shape, there's a certain amount of pain. <laughs> Thinking about my fiance right now, because she's experiencing that. She just started working with a trainer. But that's just how it goes, right? So Sometimes it's tough to make personal change. And regardless of the long-term payoff for short-term work, many of us just can't seem to tighten the hatch, right? Hunker down and go to work on what will create the change that helps us reach our long-term goals and aspirations. Why is that? Like, what is it that constantly gets in our way? That wall. Well, if I can answer that, I would be a millionaire already. (laughs) I say already because I want to be one day. I will be one day. I can only answer it for me. All right. I can I can talk to you about, you know, what's tough for me in regards to change. And I can maybe offer a couple of tips based on my own experience and experience I've had with clients. And so that's what I'm going to do. Right. Because to have a conversation about, hey, do you need a new CEO? I believe that a lot of you guys are sitting with, okay, you know what? I need to make a change. Okay. So in order to make the change, how do we become effective, right? How do we, you know, make a change that can stick or be sustained? Well, first things first, 
you got to know who you are. Do you really know the person that you are? Because to change, you must know who you are because that's how you know who you're trying to change. One of the main reasons why change becomes so hard is because most of us have a Pollyannish view of ourselves. We haven't necessarily looked in the mirror and really come face to face with how stubborn and nasty we can be as human beings. And nasty, and I'm not saying to other people, but sometimes nasty to ourselves. And so that being the case, who are you? Like, have you really gotten a grasp on who you are? Because this is the most important question. Because it's impossible, right? And that's not a word I use often, but it's impossible to make a transition from point A to point B if you haven't identified and tracked down point A yet. Like you have to know what it is that you're starting. As a life coach, one of the first questions that we ask, we ask, so what is the request for coaching, right? And as a coach, regardless of my training and regardless of my abilities, if the individual that I'm working with has not identified for me where they are, hey, here is my situation, then it will be very difficult for me to help them to get to point B. And so there's a certain amount of vulnerability that they have to have with me right now as a certified life coach. I'm bound to confidentiality, but they have to be willing to give. So that way I can understand point A to assist them with getting to point B, right? And so if you don't know what point A is, then how do you get to point B? So the question, the very first question, tip number one is, the focus has to be on who are you? And here's the deal. Others can provide feedback. Others can provide perspective. But ultimately, it will require your silence, which is hard to come by, (laughs) But your silence, your quiet time, your reflection, which is also hard to come by, to identify who you are. But it comes down to finding a quiet place and making time to reflect and and taking a look at some of the parts of the ingredients and tapestry of what makes you as a person and looking at them and staring at them even when you don't want to. Because you will see things that you don't like. But that's the first step, because if you can't if you can't identify point A, then there is no point B. And that is one of the reasons why the majority of us go through this life and never accomplish our goals, never accomplish our dreams, never deliver on the ideas we have, because we're not really sure of who is going to do it. And that person will be us. Right. But we don't really know ourselves. And since we don't know ourselves, we don't know our strengths. We don't know our weaknesses. We don't know the things that will get in the way. And so we continue to trip and fall sometimes over the exact same things. So that's tip number one. Know who you are. okay? And then B is tough, too. Right. So (laughs) how do you identify where you want to go? Hmm. Well, (laughs) that's tough. And, and, you know, I'm going to share in a little bit, but one of the very first conversations that, you know, a certified life coach will have is, you know, a conversation to identify what B is. Where do you want to go? Because what I found often is 
there are a whole lot of us that have a tremendous amount of power and greatness. And where we want to go is probably a quarter of the way of our full potential. If a quarter, sometimes 10 percent of the way of our full potential, because we're afraid of the possibility. So first, number one, tip one, who are you? Tip two, where do you want to go? Like, I mean, those two right there are the very beginning of self-discovery. All right. Number three, then what's your brand? All right. So now that you know who you are and where you want to go, then what is the persona or the image that you're going to wear that will assist you in getting there? So real simple. What's your brand? And I've had uh, Sheila Coates on. I think I've talked about it alone. And then I've had Sheila Coates on a number of shows. She's a branding, a personal branding expert to talk to us about that. Right. And so for those of you who listen Saturday in and Saturday out, you know, that'd be good to pull up those notes uh, and check on, you know, how do you identify your brand? This question can be answered by you or those close to you. I mean, but it's something that you really need to figure out because that is what begins to help you. Right. So let's go back to thinking about a company. All right. Companies know, you know, well, the ones that are successful. Interesting know who they are, right? They know what they deliver. They know what they don't deliver. They also are very clear on point B, right? So they got point A. They're also very clear on point B, where they want to go. And then what do they do? They create a brand and that's what they market. This is who we are and this is what we're doing and where we're going. Want to get on board? What makes us any different? (laughs) And what makes us any different? It's funny because Typically, the secrets of success are woven into the very fabric of everything around us, yet we don't see it. Somehow, we're blinded to the simplicity of the lessons that we see day in and day out. And so those three things, right? Who are you? Where do you want to go? What's your brand? And brand matters because that picture communicates the message that you want to push to others, which is basically your persona. So what is, you know, what is your persona? And a lot of us are told or given our personas by the mainstream because we have no clue who we are. You know, so I'm going to dress like this, look like this, talk like this, wear my pants halfway off my butt like this because that's what everybody else does. And you know what that tells me right off when I see a young man like that? Oh, there's an individual who has no clue who he is. He has no clue of his royalty. He has no clue of his sovereignty. He has no clue of his power. Why? Because he's doing what everybody else does. And anyone who has a clue about their power, anyone who has a clue about their sovereignty, anyone who has a clue about their greatness, there is something that is individualistic about them. And that's why you can look around and certain people don't have to wear a pair of Jordans to feel important. They don't have to wear them. They feel important regardless. They don't have to wear a certain brand name to feel important because they're very clear on who they are. They have discovered themselves or are at the precipice of discovering that. Okay. Kind of got on a soapbox there. But, you know, so the main question is, what are you broadcasting? You can't control other people's opinion, but what you can control is what you broadcast. And if what you're broadcasting is clearly intentional, then when other people cast an opinion, you don't care. Believe me, people have opinions about what I do and don't do. 
Do I care? No, because I'm focused on point B, right? Where I'm going. That's all that matters. And who I am and where I'm going has created the brand. And so if you don't like the brand, I'm sorry, but got to keep it moving. And that's the way we all should be. So what are you broadcasting? Does it match who you want to be? And if the answer is no, change it. That simple. So those are the three tips. Tip four, I would say, is go to the website, www.inspirationalperspective.com, and check out who are you, what is your brand, because it'll break all that down for you. You can print it out. You have it right there for yourself, all right? Again, the website is www.inspirationalperspective.com. All right, well, let's keep moving. You know, I've spent a lot of time writing, speaking, well, writing and speaking definitely, and definitely here on the show, talking about the impacts of mass media and the impact that it has on our decision-making and our self-esteem, okay? And I'm passionate about this topic because mass media, along with other, you know, social pressures, they invest a lot of time and money to influence and convince us about what we should do, right? So again, let's go back to the point B. Part of the reason we're not clear on point B is because we have so many inputs. And this is why I covered inputs first. We have so many inputs that are telling us what we should do. Of course, we're confused because if you watch an hour of TV, there's about 20 minutes of that. That's commercials. And all those commercials are basically saying you should do this. You should wear these clothes. You should eat these foods. You should drink these drinks. Oh, and by the way, you should like these type of women. I mean, these type of men. I can just keep going, right? That's why we're so confused. We're so confused on where we want to go because we have all this other stuff coming at us, right? And that's why I continually point my virtual machine gun at the mass media infrastructure because that's what's confusing us. Now, there is very special care given to analyzing and investigating who you are. I mean, they want to know who you are and they want to know who you are so they can put you in a macro group or a micro group so they know how to market to you. So they know how to tell you what your point B is. Right. Because, you know, different people have different styles, different wants, different things. And so they do a really good job at telling you what that is. And frankly, it's important for me to say this. The mass media doesn't care about who we are as individuals. And based on how well they influence us as a group, they really don't have to. And I'm going to say that again. Based on how well they influence us as a group, they don't have to care about who we are as individuals. You know, they figured out how to analyze and basically bucket us. And then the messaging they send seems to resonate with you because that's what it's supposed to do. Right. They've actually grouped you in some shows back. I talked to you guys and I said, if you're watching a television show and the commercials are bootleg, that's telling you the commercials are cheap and bootleg. That's telling you that the large corporations, the Mercedes Benz, the real players, they're not investing in that type of programming because you can't afford their products. And they already have said the group of people that watch this programming, they're not doing anything in life and they can't afford our products. So we're not going to advertise on those shows. So the perfect way to begin to understand how the mass media thinks about you is to begin to watch what group you're in. 
You know, when you're watching television, if you're seeing cheesy, low-budget commercials come on, that's what they think about your group. Up, oh, might be time to change your input. And again, my job is not to be nice. My job is to be real. And so I know somebody out there is like, uh-uh, no, he didn't. Yes, I did. Change the station. Change your input. And here's the scary part. As humans, we are so easily influenced by things that are placed in our space. We're completely influenced by them. Thus, the only way to escape being rustled in with the herd is to be completely conscious of your individuality. So who are you really? Do you know who you really are and do you know what separates you from the herd? And I'm using the word herd because that's what the, how the mass media, they basically herd us together. I'm guessing that some of you may know the answers to these questions, but I'm also guessing that some of you haven't really taken a hard look in the mirror to figure out these kind of questions. So I'm going to fast forward and give you the five, okay? Five tips to really helping you with self-discovery. Number one, ask five family members or friends the following question. What three characteristics or words would they use to best describe you? And if you can't get this down in time, you can always go to the blog, www.inspirationalperspective.com. It is out there under the five ways to discover yourself. What are the three characteristics or words, you know, that they would use to best describe you? Because often you have qualities and strengths that you don't even see in yourself. Others see it, but you fail to recognize it. And so it's important to bring other people into that process and, you know, help them kind of distinguish your power. Okay. Number two, get clear on what you fear. Now, this might sound weird, but make a list of the things that you fear most. Why? Because fear predicts our behavior. Many of us refuse to acknowledge what we fear because we're too frightened to take a look at it. And the disadvantage of that is that it creates a blind spot in your life. You know, you can live for a long time and consequently have a bunch of blind behaviors because fear is sneaky, especially for men, <laughs> because we don't like to admit that we're afraid of anything. But we are. We all have fears. So get clear on your fears. Look them in the face. So that way you begin to understand why you behave the way you behave when it comes to certain things. We cannot change poor behaviors that our fears create if we have not distinguished the fear itself. OK, so that's number two. You know, confront your fear. Number three, visualize the life of your dreams. This goes back to being real clear on point B, right? Point A is where you are. Point B is where you want to go. And I have to say, as a life coach, one of the first two questions I ask anyone looking to create shift in their lives is. What are your dreams and what's possible? It's that simple right now. I'm trained to really extract it because when you ask people that, they look at you sometimes, you know, or there's a, if I'm on the phone, there's just like a space of air. And so I'm trained to, you know, get in there. And that's what the certification process does. You know, interesting side note. <laughs> I was asked recently, does certification matter? Yes. Do not work with a life coach that is not certified. There are over 300 ontological tools, and there's a whole lot you need to understand about human behavior. Don't let people start messing around in your life and they haven't done the work, period. I'm, all right, I'm done with that. OK. All right. So number three. All right. Is visualize the life of your dreams. 
Okay. Number four, question yourself. I'm going to spend a little time here. The questions here should be simple. It will be coming up with the answers that you will find the most complex. And I'm going to give you a cheat sheet. It's right there on the website, inspirationalperspective.com. A few examples of questions you can ask are like this, right? Why do I do the work that I do? You know, why am I in the job I'm in? Why do I spend my weekends the way I do? Am I easily influenced? If so, by what? What gets me really excited? What am I passionate about? What kind of information interests me the most? What is it that attracts me very easily? Those are the things, real simple questions. Question yourself. It's fascinating how quickly we can question those around us with the intent to get to know them, yet we rarely take the time to pose our same inquisition upon ourselves. Question yourself. Number five, start keeping a journal. It's real simple, right? Every day we live brings with it an elaborate tale of love, success, failures, disappointments. And far too often we live out our days without truly understanding and identifying our wins and losses. We can typically recall our high points. We can typically recall our low points. But the beautiful tapestry of our life's blissful moments and colorful details often fade with time. So keep a journal. And what you'll find is it's one of the best gifts that you can provide yourself and your family. And I'm going to close with this. Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And that's by Aristotle. This episode of Inspirational Perspective was recorded at the Midway Broadcasting Corporation in Chicago, Illinois, on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Thank you for listening. Go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. Text INSPIRED to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.